Welcome to the Cashflow Legends Podcast with your hosts, Nate, Brandon, and Brock. Remember, our insights are not direct financial advice, so consult with your financial team before making any decisions based on the topics discussed in this show. All right, welcome back to Cashflow Legends. I'm stoked to be here with Nate and Brock. We were just having a great little chat before we hit record about some of the stuff that goes out on social media. And listen, I realize it could be very, it could appear hypocritical if we don't really get clear what our heart and our purpose and our attention is before we start into what we're about to talk about. So Brock made a great point uh, in our conversation of just, in general, we need to decide for anyone who decides to watch this, what we do and don't want to respond to and why. Okay. And we won't go into an in-depth sermon on why we feel the way we do on certain things, but we do believe Nelson Nash said this, and I still use this to this day after reading it six years ago. Um, Once we know what the problem is, we'll know what to do. And a lot of times the best way to realize what the noise is, is to first know what the problem is so that 99% of the noise you can just ignore, like noise cancellation AirPods. You don't hear all the stuff that you don't need to hear once you know for sure what the problem is. So our thought process today is infinite banking is a scam. And I want you to, for anyone who's followed Dave Ramsey hardcore, like I did, like Nate did, I'm sure Brock's had many conversations with people about Dave Ramsey and his approach because he's from the town, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Brock lives in. We're going to touch on that today. We're going to try to do it in a very respectful way to what we do believe Dave Ramsey has done that is really beneficial for people. I'm going to share with my own my own personal journey of what I know not to be true now that I thought was true from my own experiences. So I'm not making anything up. I'm just going to tell you what I know. And we'll go from there. So for anyone who just happens to catch this first podcast or first YouTube uh, video, real simply, what is infinite banking? And how is it supposed to work? And this is important. Define how that intertwines with what whole life insurance policies are and how they go together or stay separate. So uh, first off, the belief that anything is a scam without doing your own research is the scam in and of itself. So if you ever hear somebody say something about something being a scam, don't take that at face value. You need to do your own research and figure it out for yourself um, so that you can have a definitive position on whatever that is. Um, but, you know, infant banking, how it's supposed to work, is it supposed to empower the individual and take power a bank, uh, take power away from banks and street, potentially? Um, it's giving us more control of our capital um, so that we are giving or, or being less of that control over to, to someone else, either a financial institution or, you know, whatever that may be. So the way it's supposed to work is we have the ability through a special design whole life insurance contract. We have the ability to create our own environment that gives us, um, opportunities with our dollars that we would not have had otherwise. It gives us the ability to recover opportunity costs on money that would have been leaking out of our life otherwise. So 
um, we kind of get to build out this aquarium, so to speak, or this environment for our money that most people will never have the privilege of having. So we'll, we will include a clip of Dave Ramsey's YouTube video if you want to go watch it, because we recognize the majority of the world, or America at least, if they have any financial knowledge, there's a large chance that some of it has come from Dave Ramsey thinking because what he is really, really good at is marketing and building a brand. He's done it for over 30 years. It's a big reason why I chose to follow in what he taught. I did do the research and I only knew what I knew. I didn't know what I didn't know until I got in rooms with other people, which means that there's always something new to learn like Nate alluded to. So we'll let you, here's like Nate said, we say this often. If you think something's a scam, that means you are skeptical. So you all, if it's something you think could provide value in your life, you always have to ask the question, what do I need to do to either be certain this is a scam or be certain that my skepticism has now been disproved? We just happened to find out that whole life is the most effective and most efficient tool to use this with, right? Because you can do the same thing with a stock portfolio, right? When you are large enough and you have a large enough brokerage account, you can borrow against your brokerage account. However, if the market crashes, they can call your loan. If it gets too close to your, uh, what they might call margin, then they're going to ask you for more money. You are required to make premium pay or, uh, um, uh, loan interest payments. You are required to do many things. Same could be true with um, home uh, home equity lines of credit. The difference that we have found is that when you can operate out of a whole life insurance policy, it is the most efficient tool to use currently and has been for the last, we'll call it 50 years, right? Um, you first have to understand the rules of the game and in, in the thought process paradigm shift that you have and why you want to use it. Whole life insurance just happens to be the tool that we use for it. So Nate, let's talk about now that we recognize that whole life insurance is just the most efficient product to practice the mindset and the paradigm shift of the infinite banking concept and becoming your own banker. You can't call the insurance company and go, give me an IBC policy or becoming your own banker policy. They'd be like, we don't sell those. They're separate. How you use the mindset and the product together is the impactful piece. So, Nate, a lot of times, like used car salesmen, insurance brokers or insurance agents, which we have an insurance license, okay? That's how we get paid by the insurance company, okay? They have this preconceived notion of the scam being involved in us being overpaid because of fees and this and that. So I think we could all probably really touch on this and have a good angle, but Nate, starting with you, how do you have that conversation when someone starts off with skepticism on how you get paid or I get paid or Brock gets paid? Well, it's understanding what that, what you're trying to compare that to. Um, I think really what's important and, and understanding the value that that relationship is bringing into your life. Um, you know, would you, would you pay someone to inject value into your life? Well, it depends on 
how much value is being created through that. Um, but if you're comparing it to like an, uh, like a, a financial broker or advisor or something like that, there's something called asset under management and that's how they get paid. They get paid through these fees that seem really low when you look at the percentage, but over someone's lifetime, you may end up paying your financial millions of dollars through the asset under management fees that go along with that. Uh, either going to the brokerage itself or to the advisor, one or the other, there are, there's going to be a fee with every financial product you ever put money into because the products cannot exist standalone by themselves. They have to be supported by something. So there is a commission that we get paid. Um, and the largest percentage of what we get paid is upfront in the beginning. And, um, the difference going forward with what we get paid going forward is an agreement with the insurance company that they pay what's called a renewal commission where it's not being taken directly from the customer's account. It's actually coming from the insurance company's general fund at that point, because it's an agreement between us and the insurance company, not an additional fee that the customer is paying back. Um, which is very different from a financial advisor where those fees are coming directly from the account. So great points there, Nate. And, and I think, I think we should emphasize the fact that we are saying that you should not pay your advisor a fee. Like they are bringing that value and that 1% fee could be the difference of millions of dollars because of how smart and their expertise in that field. Right. But I think what this argument usually comes from is the fact that a lot of people say, oh, well, you get paid too much for this or your commissions is so high. And I think that one of the things that you want to take a step back from is saying, okay, well, you say that we're getting on a life insurance, whole life insurance policy. They're all the same, to be honest, but say it's a whole life insurance policy. Most people say, oh, well, you're only doing it for a high commission. And in that case, that is when we need to ask, you know, what are you comparing that to, right? And so if you are to what most people would compare that to because of the world of finance is putting money in a brokerage account. That is usually the argument. Why would I put my money here if I can go put it in the market? Right? So if you were to look at a, um, 25 year old who put $10,000 a year into a brokerage account, earning 10% a year until they were age 65 at the end of that time, if they always earn 10% every single year, which we'll get into later, they would end up with $4.8 million at the end of that time. Okay. If you added that tiny little 1% fee over the course of that time period, their balance would then go from 4.8 million to 3.5 million. You can do the math there. What they would get paid from all of that is $357,000. Now, if you were to take the same exact approach on a, um, life insurance policy, they would be getting paid a fraction of that 357,000 in that same time period. So I think you, we just need to get very clear on, okay, well, if you, if you're going to buy into that argument that somebody else gave you, what are we comparing it to? Okay. Yep. Um, but then it goes back to your conversation, Nate, of, Hey, what is the value that they bring? What is that expertise? I personally 
because I'm an expert in the use of whole life insurance and the movement of cash flows and, and alternative assets, I work with a lot of financial planners and advisors. They stay in their lane of, hey, this is how the market works. Here's how um, we're going to utilize different brokerage accounts, retirement accounts, cash balance plans, whatever it may be. But then I come in as the expert on the whole life insurance, the alternative assets, whether that's real estate, hard money loans, whatever it may be. That is where my lane is and we stay in it. And if you can use them together, everything else just begins to work even better. There's a, a key piece you guys have both alluded to that is a part of our process that I am most proud of that we've spent a lot of time learning about this year. Brock, you've already been familiar with it and you mentioned it um, indirectly is that we're all going to create a certain amount of economic value over our lifetime and our jobs, our investments, our relationships, those kind of things. And the real question is not how someone is being paid more than the other person. The real question is, is what value is being created in that relationship for people that are a part of that conversation? So I'm going to use me as an example coming from 10 plus years of Dave Ramsey diehard mentality. My wife and I paid off over $100,000 in less than 48 months, okay? Eating rice and beans, living with in-laws, all these things, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. I wouldn't trade any of that. But if I would have had the wherewithal or the knowledge to know that there was something else to learn about while I was doing that, it wouldn't have lessened the value of what I was doing it would have multiplied the value of what I was doing in the discipline because like you said, we would have been partnering up two people that are experts in two different lanes. Okay. So a big piece of the misconception when you hear a Dave Ramsey or any other person out there who has a brand, okay, is we say things to continue to strengthen what makes us the most money. The real question is, can you prove that in conversations and education? Okay, so this is what I mean by that. I'm going to use me. If I'd have sat down and gone through Brock's process as I was going through Dave Ramsey's process, and I would have seen all the moving pieces and the calculations, I would have been brought to a crossroads. Not because Brock told me what to do. Not because he was on social media giving me snippets of what was stupid about whole life or stupid about Dave Ramsey but because he was showing me all of my financial physics and how all money was flowing through my life and the choices I'd already made to that point and all the rules of the game. And I would have been brought to the crossroads of a decision of what I liked about both either or, or combined. And that's a big different, that's a different piece of, well, what are we going to compare now on the flip side, knowing what I know today, I know a lot of what is said about whole life is goes right back to what Nelson Nash said. Most people's understanding of whole life insurance is based off of someone else's misunderstanding. And I like to add or half truth they've been telling. That's it. And that's no different than parenting, being a head baseball coach, trying to be a great husband. There are half truths everywhere. It's really our job to investigate where is the missing piece and can I use this to allow the most value for the things that matter to me the most? So well, that I, reminds ahead, me. So 
you know, go find the video where Dave Ramsey talks specifically about the power of controlling the bank function. It's left out of every conversation that he has when it comes to infinite banking and whole life insurance. So he's what he's doing is he's trying to compare it to something else. And the missing piece in all of that is the power of controlling the banking function, understanding that we can create momentum behind our dollars to actually do more than one job. Um, Dave understands the principle of leverage. He has to. In the in in all the things that he does, he has to understand the full leverage, but he's never going to talk about it because that detracts from his baby steps and and you know his his, his marketing message and everything like that. Yep, I say all the time, and then we'll go to the next thought process because I could I could stay here because I lived in the Dave Ramsey mindset for for ten years. So I taught the classes at church, so I'm not speaking from a place of lack of understanding. I consumed it, shared it with friends, gave them the books, all those things. <clears throat> I tell people all the time that come to us sometimes sheepishly like, oh, well, I'm kind of a recovering Dave Ramsey follower. I'm like, no, no, no. If you already applied the discipline to execute what matters to you the most to get there, what we're about to go through in the process we're going to go through is just going to strengthen that discipline you already created. Because discipline is is never a bad thing if it's creating the value you want in your life. There just might be a more efficient way. If we think about weightlifting, when you get in the gym with somebody, I've got a buddy who just went to a show, a weightlifting show or a bodybuilding show. When I get in the gym with him and he shows me different little tweaks with how to control my body to really get the most out of that lift, I'm blown away. Why? Because he's an expert. It's what he consumes his life with understanding. So when I'm just pushing up a bench press, he's like, no, 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 no. Get your elbow here, turn your hand here, tighten this, connect your brain to this muscle and really work on time under tension. And this is why I'm like, holy moly. Mm -hmm. I would never learn all that if I was in the gym by myself because that's not something that I am passionate about other than just I, I need to work out because it's good for me. All right. So it's a real good reminder that skepticism is good. But the next question needs to be, if this is something that intrigues me, what would it require for me to say it's a scam or to no longer be skeptical? Yep. And that's, Brandon, that's yeah, go ahead. Brandon, right before you move on. So while y'all were talking, I did a little bit of math. And so we said that on the typical, you know, portfolio that Mr. Ramsey talks about earning 10% every single year, $10,000 going in from age 25 to 65, you're an automatic millionaire. We showed that a 1% fee would pay that advisor about $357,000. Well, I took the exact same $10,000 and put it into a whole life insurance policy. And as Dave likes to call it, uh, I think he said plain old boring old whole life policy. If you did that route, that same advisor in the same amount of time would be paid just shy of $26,000. And if you did an overfunded policy, you would be paid just shy of $9,000. Same time period, same inputs. Hmm. Hmm. So you want to be around people who can show you how to keep more of your money to use it for you multiple ways, whichever path you take, but not tell you, show you and let you decide, which is what Brock just alluded to. And I experienced that Brock early on when Nate and I met our original mentors, Mike and Chris, 
And I remember Chris kind of showing me debunking that half truth at best. I'm not going to lie to you. I had, I had some mixed feelings because I was like, it brought me to a crossroads of, well, do I even want to really follow what Dave Ramsey teaches anymore and share it with people? Because I don't want to be associated with people that tell half truths. Yep. You know, often, oftentimes, and this will only probably resonate with baseball players. Um, and I'm going to probably tickle some feathers here, but only baseball <laughs> players who actually know how to swing a baseball bat and know how to, the proper swing works. So when you're growing up, you're always told, don't raise your back elbow, swing down on the ball. So your bat plane goes straight to the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, when you get into the higher level thinkers and the greatest hitters of all time, what you'll actually notice is their arm, their elbow actually is up, but it's more from a power, uh, a place of power because when you are punching somebody from the old stance, you're, your wrist is a little, a little uh, cocked to the side. And if you punch somebody, you're not going to punch them, you know, with your wrist bowed. But if you're taking it from a larger standpoint and you're loading up to what they call the rubber band effect, you will actually dip a little bit and your butt, your bat plane is staying in the, in the zone longer. But when I first learned that, when I realized that I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you tell me that if my entire life I was told one way of doing things, but then my average went up, my power went up, home runs went up, my little brother's home runs went up, my little brother's average went up. And then you started to see, Oh, there is actually a different way to see and understand how mechanics work within this different field. And it's the same within finances. And truthfully, it's the same within anything that has an opinion about it that large percentages of people do. And what you're really alluding to is if you would have been able to get into a room early with the 20% of people who had had the most success with hitting over your lifetime, you would have learned that quicker. And probably not be on this uh, podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. So, but the reality is, is that, almost all of us have to be aware that there's 80% thinking going on in all areas of life. And it's not intentional or ugly or hateful. It's not purposeful to be uh, negatively affecting people, but that's normally, I hate to use this word heard because that's a, I don't like that word, but it's group thinking that massages everybody's feelings of staying where they are instead of growing. And the truth about baseball is, because you know I'm passionate about baseball, most people who coach baseball are coaching it because they just want to help out. And that's, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. It's from a great position and heart. They have no background in what your Tony Gwynns and your Aaron Judges and your guys like that have done to become successful. So yeah. great point. All right. <clears throat> this question is, is it, it, I think it'll help separate infinite banking and whole life. Okay. When economic, or excuse me, when the economy experiences increases and decreases, inflation rate goes up or down, or just all the factors that we experience right now, groceries, I'm getting less groceries, or it feels like twice as much money. Okay. When those things, which will inevitably occur in our lifetime till the day we die, happen, how does that affect or impact whole life policies? 
I want to be clear here, with mutual companies that have paid dividends for 100 plus years straight, which is only you know a few of them in the grand scheme of them of America. So the first thing people need to understand is that a whole life insurance policy is a non-correlated asset, which means it's not going to be directly tied to what the stock market do, is doing or what real estate is doing or anything like that. It move along the same plane everything else does. Now, I say that to say what does affect a whole life insurance policy is the interest rate environment um, because there's interest rates inside of a whole life policy and there's, there's interest rates that insurance companies operate off of. So what you'll see is as, as interest rates start to trend up, you'll see there's a little bit of a lag, but insurance company interest rates will start to trend up as well, which means that it's a non-correlated asset. It's not, it's not going with the ebb and flows of the market. However, it is moving with interest rate environment and keeping up in a positive direction. In layman's terms, interest <laughs> rates, if the interest rates go up in the market, just think the next year life insurance policy loans might go up as well, but they don't go up as often. Um, they don't fluctuate or go up and down. Like you're not going to see 6% one year and then 2% the next year. However, there is, um, power in having it in the changing economies. Like right now, um, we have a lot of clients that are using their policy loans for buying real estate, purchasing, uh, uh, vehicles for, uh, maybe tax benefits or like, uh, vehicles for their businesses, um, whether that's, you know, trucks for oil companies, boats for boat companies, whatever it may be. Like right now, I think, you know, typical interest rates are between six and 8%. Well, you can get a uh, life insurance policy loan for about 5% right now. Okay. The same is also true within good economies. So then you have a chance to say, Ooh, do I take policy loans for my insurance company or do I take it from the bank through policy loans with the banks or do I just take a bank loan in general? Okay. And so extreme of the extreme here, right? So 2020 prime rate ended up getting around like 2%, I think. Well, if you were somebody who had been practicing or were able to have um, uh, over a million dollars or a million dollars in your cash value of a life insurance policy, specifically whole life, you could have gotten an interest only loan on that million plus dollars for 0.75%. Why? Because you had the asset in your hands that you could do that with. Otherwise, you will be subject to whatever the market is telling you, you can get it. So you just alluded to there, both of you did, what Nelson referred to in becoming your own banker, you know, interest rates are going to go up and they're going to go down. Let's have a little uh, economics lesson real quick. Who controls how money is created and how much of it? The government. Is the government. Well, actually, the, I pause that. The yeah. Federal Reserve does. The Federal Reserve. Not the government. Correct. But we don't get to say how much of that is created. We have no say in that. We, I mean, you can make an argument if you want to go stand on Capitol Hill and be a lobbyist and pass money around and all that. Maybe you could. Okay. Or wherever else you could impact that, but we really don't impact it. So 
the real question we always have to ask is how much money is flowing through my life that I'm keeping that's doing the things that we want to do it to do for us that gives us the opportunity to create more of the things we want it to do for us. It's really it. That equation that we're going to try to figure out will happen until the day that we die. And then our loved ones are going to be trying to figure it out while we're gone, when we're gone. So a lot of people hear that word loan with whole life policies and they freak out. And I always ask them, do you freak out when you go take a loan on your car? Do you freak out when you go take a loan to pay off debt? And then go, well, I'm a cash person. Okay, great. So what if we can walk you through a scenario where you can be a cash person and be in a better position to keep more of your money? Well, I might be interested in that. So now it comes back to education. So a lot of times people who say infinite banking is a scam, they try to come from an angle of it being unethical. So we just disproved very quickly the math on side by side, roughly money going into this account or into whole life and what the agents would be paid. But what we really haven't even focused on is the next layer of, okay, I believe in having a whole life policy or whole life policies like we do. How do I put it to work? And are you around people who can show you how to do that to keep more of what you make, you know, so you can continue to create wealth for the things that matter to you the most. So when I hear ethical questions being brought up about infinite banking, I have my go-to now, guys, is if you think it's a scam and you think it's unethical, I'm offering our process. If you'll come into it with an open mind to go through the entire thing, I just say, do that. I'm not going to have a debate or a discussion with you. And if you don't want to do that, you are choosing to remain skeptical or you will, it's easier for you to say it's a scam. So what do you guys think about if any, we don't experience this near as much as we used to, but if, if you hear the unethical part, what comes to y'all's minds or somebody debates the ethicalness of it, if that's a word? Well, it really depends <laughs> on what level of experience and knowledge they're coming to that conversation with. Um, you know, the freedom of choice is you can go through our process. Everything is 100% transparent. You can see all the numbers. You can see what you're going to have access to, what value it's going to create for you and everything like that. And then at the end of the day, you can decide if it's ethical or not. Um, but if you look at and understand exactly what an asset is and what building equity inside of an asset is, then you can see for yourself, okay, this is just an, this is just an asset that's different from all the other assets that are out there, but it's an asset that I can buy into that I can own and I can control at some point. But if you look at a whole life insurance policy and say it's unethical for someone to sell you one or something like that, well, then you've got to look at real estate the same way, you know, because there's commissions that are being paid on real estate. When you pay, you make a payment to a mortgage company, you don't have access to all of your money right away. You know, there's a portion of money that is being applied to the equity of that asset. And it's the same way with a whole life policy. And there's a portion that you'll never see again unless you know the rules of the game. Yeah, I mean, with a whole life policy, you can see exactly when you're getting all your money back and then where it starts to just exponentially grow from that point. So you're not missing out on the opportunity cost you would in a traditional asset 
um, like real estate or something like that, where you're losing out on the interest that's going to the bank or something like that. There, it reminds me of something that I walked through yesterday. I'm not going to dive into the math, but it kind of proves uh, a half truth that's out there again about how products really work. So we were visiting with somebody and they had a great question of, well, isn't term way cheaper? And why wouldn't I want to do that as we were looking at a whole life policy for them? And so we real quickly walked through a few questions and we showed them where there was no more cost to the insurance company. Said another way, it just was becoming a place that they could pay premiums, but really save money. Okay. Simplistically put. And then we evaluated over when it was projected they would die based off of their rating. Okay. Which you, the insurance companies are that good. They have a really good idea of what range of age you're going to, you're going to graduate from this earth. And we divided those years by that beginning cost of insurance to do business with the insurance company and with us and all of that. And it ended up being over like a 30 year span, right at $2,200 a year for a guaranteed event of like $11 million of death benefit passing to their loved ones if they live to 90, which they were projected to do roughly based off their rating. Okay. We didn't even factor in the cash value and how they put it to work. That was just the product of whole life. So when somebody can see that, now they're brought to the crossroads of, oh, what I thought I knew about what's been said in the world about term life and how it works is really just a half truth. Because if you ask anybody if they'd like to have that happen for that cost of insurance and all the freedom of control, they would be sign me up all day, every day. Brock, what thoughts do you have on that, if any? I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, <laughs> and if anybody wants to have the conversation about it, wants to see the math, feel free to email and I'll walk you through it. But it's good. With term insurance, it is a pure cost unless you die. You know, mm -hmm. if there's if the word if little word, big shadow. Um, and it's a pure cost due to the fact that it's more than likely not going to pay out. But what you don't realize is in the lost death benefit that you have from the term policy, it will cause you to have less income during retirement. Why? Because now those assets that you were told to invest the difference with and build this big nest egg up, now that has to not only last for all of your life, but all the life of your spouse and act as your life insurance to any heirs if you wanted to give anything away. And it has to last the entire time through economy changes, through health changes, through death, all of it, right? You could show up to um, retirement with $600,000 less in assets because you bought permanent life insurance. And for some reason, $400,000 just disappeared somewhere. Um, and I can show you having almost double the amount of income, even if tax rates taxes double and interest rates get cut in half it's about how you use the policies and and understanding what your true definition of cost is so what you just described going back to your baseball analogy is a baseball swing has a lot of moving parts that are a little bit different for everybody you're built a little different you got longer joints you know maybe you're shorter taller bigger wider whatever 
And it's really, there's a foundation that's going to allow you to succeed no matter what, but you have to decide how you want to put them into motion, but you have to see that and feel that and understand that for it to be able to resonate in your brain to go, ah, I got that now. That really makes sense. So now it's a new layer of learning that you build a new foundation on. So it really goes back to all of our conversations we have often about the greatest investment we can make is in ourselves first and really prioritizing learning as much as we can about things that we don't know that we know will have impact in our life. Okay. So there are probably many people, if I would have been listening to this 10 years ago, it would have been hurting my brain. I would have had to had somebody around me most likely that had already done it or that was doing it to just kind of give me confidence that this might be something worth investing into, you know, and really understanding. And so I always tell people that are new at this, Hey, you probably have one buddy or two that think like you that have bigger aspirations than just doing what you're doing. Cause you think there's more opportunity to grow, go along that journey with them or your spouse, you know, if you're married and kind of learn together. So now you've got somebody to bounce ideas off of to see what you're learning, which can be very powerful, which is what we do all the time. And a lot of conversations we have. So if somebody really wants to understand all of these facts that we just discussed and the whole truth, that's really what we're saying. You want to see the whole truth. We can take you through a process to see that so that then you get clarity on if you're doing really well already and you can keep doing it, or if there might be a more efficient way to improve your situation you're already in. Would you guys agree? Yeah, for sure. Sweet. Well, guys, I think that's uh, some good insight. Remember, you can email us at cashflowlegends with a Z at gmail.com. Hit those like, subscribes, whatever the buttons are out there in the world that uh, you know allow this to go out and catch more people's ears. And um, we hope you all have a blessed day and we'll catch you on the next one.